Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Ted Bergstrom to the show. Welcome, Ted. Thanks for having me on board. Ted is a senior enterprise account executive at SAP Customer Experience, and SAP Customer Experience, obviously part of the monster ERP and CRM and all things company SAP. Uh, This particular division enables companies to manage the full customer experience from lead to fulfillment. We're not going to be talking CRM. We're going to be talking what it takes to be an effective, highly effective enterprise account executive. I've been asking around to find people who uh, others nominated, and Ted was nominated. And my co-host today was another person who was nominated. She's been a guest and a co-host a number of times, Katie Jane Bailey. Welcome, KJ. Thank you so much, Jeremy. And Katie Jane uh, is here because she was an awesome guest. And she is also a senior enterprise account executive, but at Figma. So we've got two enterprise account executives that were both recommended as top performers. So this should be a, a fun chat. Before we get into a little of of Ted's background and the things he's learned along his journey. Ted, I'd love to ask you about what's the first thing you ever remember selling? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, while I was still in college, it was a weight loss supplement called Body Choice. Interesting name, very generic. Um, it had hoodie in it, if you remember all the rage. Uh, and ironically, instead of losing weight while selling it, I gained, God, 30, 40 pounds just because I became friends with all these sample ladies at Costco. Yeah, well, this reminds me of selling Hickory Farms, which didn't even exist probably when, when even when you guys were born, probably because I'm old. It was a thing in the in the mall, and you would sell these boxes of smoked sausage and cheese. But we'd all gain weight during that time. But if you're selling smoked sausage and cheese, that's that probably makes sense. But selling a weight loss supplement and gaining weight is a little counterintuitive. Well, yeah. So let's let's kind of switch gears from selling weight loss supplements and and smoked sausages. That yes, you do peel the offside outside away to get to the good stuff in there. And you know, just talk about how you, how you got into sales. So you know, after obviously after college and selling weight loss supplements, what, what was the first proper sales job you had? Yeah, yeah. So ironically, got out of college. Probably like many other people, had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. Was beginning to go the management information systems route, got into the 400 level courses there uh, and realized it wasn't my thing. So switched back to business management, uh, piggybacking off of my job at Costco. I knew I was good at sales. Being the leading seller for Washington, Oregon, Nevada, California for that weight loss solution, started taking interviews for different sales jobs, knew I was good at direct sales in person, wanted to see what it was like to sell over the phone. So ironically... I interviewed with Dex Yellow Pages. It was an interesting time when you know the field sales reps there went from making three hundred thousand a year down to seventy five. Ironically, some of the best sales training I've ever had. They uh, they flew me to Phoenix, Scottsdale area for six weeks. Probably the most intense hiring process I ever experienced. I'd say every two to three days, you had a different test based on what they had showed you: objection handling, prospecting. Um, and it was a pass fail. So I think our class started with 30 people. When the class was all said and done, there was only 15 of us. That's so crazy. I, I feel like saying something like some of the best sales training that you've ever had coming from Yellow Pages is not what I would have expected. Going through sales training, there's a combination of like how to sell your product versus how to sell, right? And so how to sell your product is a lot of like 
how to describe this ad. And then there's also like how to sell. How much of the training was each of those? Describing the ad, I would say maybe 20% of it. The other 80% was pure just kind of sales methodology. So they actually flew in the best sellers from around the country and then made them sales trainers. A lot of it was just objection handling. And for me, it was... Some of it, I was like, so someone wants to cancel and we're not immediately saying, hey, you're in a contract. We're going to hold your feet to the fire. And then just kind of the nuances around it of, hey, I understand you want to cancel, blah, 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 kind of the talk track. And then how you back them into either one, down selecting a process or going bigger. I mean, at the time, it, it blew my mind. I often use the podcast to answer my questions and my friends' questions. And the fact that you sold a, basically a commodity product, especially at the time, this person's company sells a commodity. Everyone needs it. They have to buy it. And it comes down to, hey, you know, you, you're going to, let's say it's waste management, you're going to throw away this many tons of garbage. We'll charge you whatever, 90 cents a ton instead of a dollar a ton. Or we'll charge you the same thing, but we will come every Tuesday and we guarantee that we're going to come between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m., right? Like it's just something, some lever like that. And you know, that company has introduced a new product that is is much more like an enterprise sales cycle. It's, it's no longer just the facilities person using that metaphor who's making the decision. Now you might have the CIO and the facilities person and other people. So it's a much more discretionary purchase, much more enterprise focused. The reason I'm asking and you and, and KJ feel free to weigh in too is right, you were selling, I mean, the weight loss thing is not exactly commodity, but it's a quick transactional sale. You were selling yellow pages, which is quick transactional sale, much more commodity. What would you do in that circumstance if you if you had to train salespeople to be able to sell uh, something that was much more sophisticated? It was a tough learning curve for me. So after that company, I went to another company. You got to look at both these sales processes almost like an infomercial. If they have time to think about the purchase, nine times out of 10, they're going to talk to their wife, their significant other, and they're going to say, oh, 12 grand for a full page ad? Absolutely not. It's going to give us some awareness. Is it going to cover our expenses? So I mean, a lot of it's, it's a splurge decision. So I think patience more than anything and just communication style. I went from selling ads to being an SDR uh, for an enterprise software company. And for me, it was just kind of the, the rhythm of business. So, you know, going from making 150 to 180 phone calls a day, just trying to get that deal to, you know, coming up with some sort of creative communication approach, where again, I don't sound like some robot who's just talking about our product, connecting with someone in a valuable way. But ultimately, I guess slowing down has always kind of been my problem. And just trying to, I guess, instead of looking at it at a macro level, how can I get this done today? Looking at a micro level and how can I get to that next step that gets me closer uh, in the process? I guess along the way, you, you had to understand what those next steps were. Did you find that the companies that you worked for had well-defined sales processes for what step followed what step? Or you've had to figure that out for yourself in most instances? I've pretty much taught myself along the way. So I mean, other than the the deck sales training, there hasn't there hasn't been much <laughs> outside of that. I mean, I've been through you know one two day workshops, but you know when you talk about six weeks accumulation or you know people just giving you some sort of online learning tool, it's a different story, right? Either reading, talking to mentors, or you know trial by fire, right? 
in that switch from that quick transactional sale to a more enterprise, you know, I love what you said around the rhythm of business where it is going to take longer. You do have to, you know, hold the line with like annual payments up front. It's not just however we can make this happen. Let's do it. What was that transition like for you with your like yellow pages sales training, right? Because there's a lot of similarities where you're like objection handling and, you know, things like that. But really it comes down to establishing value in a completely different way. Did you learn that on your own? Did someone teach you? Did you just have to, you know, what was that transition like for you? I would say it took me probably two to three years into actually going into a sales cycle role. My first SaaS job, I think I got a deal 11, 11 days in. So I was still running with the, the same veracity and speed that I was before. It was learning, right? I think it was enough. Huh. Like I had 10 deals in my pipeline, one closed. And I thought to myself, what could I be doing differently you know, that they're going with my competition, you know, that might be, you know, two to three times my price point, you know, are they establishing a different sort of value? Are they putting in some sort of timeline? What are they doing differently that I'm doing that I could be doing better? So that's, that's really where the learning came from. One thing I I love to talk through is people who have a non-traditional background into enterprise SaaS sales, right? So like you've had a entire career in sales, but there was a transition from like local ads to SaaS enterprise software. And I think that people who have not just started their career as a BDR, but have some kind of selling experience that they come into that thinking, oh, I've sold before. I know exactly what I'm doing. And that there can be kind of a like a learning curve in that sense. People who are making that transition now that you're way on the other side, what would you tell them? What advice would you give them? I mean, for me, it was leave the ego behind. Like you have a lot of learning to do. Just because you sold something doesn't mean it's the exact same. You're going to have prospecting skills up to yin yang compared to your peers. You're going to be very well developed at you know putting in the effort over and above everyone for, for a very long time. So really excel in that area, but also focus in on how you can you know develop and figure out, you know, a demonstrable, provable sales process. What are the steps mm-hmm. needed to close? Look at the time frame. Just evaluate your sales process and find out what you can be doing better. So, you know, typically I'll, I'll look at my sales cycle now. And I, if I know I'm competing against a certain competitor, time kills all deals. And I know, you know, if it goes over a certain time frame, the likelihood for my deal to ever close is pretty much null. Just understanding how to align to the correct people, checking off all the boxes, just learn, right? Just really dedicate yourself to the art and the science of it. People buy from people they like, but at the end of the day, if you're not aligned to the right resources, you're going to fail nine times out of 10. Mm. I have one more question about the yellow pages because I just think I love this background. You mentioned that when you were figuring out if you want to go into sales, all this, that you were really good at um, in person. With COVID and with not being in person, have you missed being in person with people? Have you seen that effect? Have you had to pivot your sales strategy in roles when the pandemic is not happening? Do you try to get out in person as much as possible? Like, How do you see in-person playing a role with enterprise sales? Yeah, it's, it's been an absolute nightmare, to be quite honest with you. Like, I'm sure we all have Zoom fatigue. Being a child of ADHD, now getting into adult ADHD, I'd say it's gotten even worse. Maybe four or five months ago, I had my first you know, lunch with drinks. And I was like, huh, you know, you kind of question, do, do I love this anymore? Then you do like, you know, lunch with people, you, 
you find out about them, you understand the project. You're like, oh yeah, I, I do still very much enjoy this. It's harder to get meetings just because there's so much noise out there. People are receiving phone calls on their cell phones. Like we sent packages before. Where are you sending the packages? Everyone's at home. I mean, you target Texas and Florida, you assume they might be at their office, but they're probably not as well. So it's it's tough. I just try to be overly communicative. And then back to your point, Katie, just add value where I can. I also want to circle back to something you said earlier, and, and I go through a ton of data to figure out what in people's biographical history tends to lead to them being successful. And you know, to, to KJ's earlier question, there are two things you have that that are strong signals for success. One is that you stepped back from being a seller of admittedly, you know, a less sophisticated product into being an SDR. That's that's a hallmark of of people who who are successful on the enterprise sales path. The other one is that you came from a high volume, you know, environment like a uh, where you're doing a ton of calls, right? So people who in from either that kind of environment or maybe they a lot of times recruiters working at agencies where they're just dial, 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 right? They, they are used to that hustle. They're used to the rejection. So it's a much, a much smoother transition uh, for them. Uh, you, you did mention like when you got, you know, that, that original enterprise sales job that you were pretty much full cycle, right? You were getting in the door, qualifying, managing the ops, everything, closing, negotiating the whole, the whole deal. Yesterday, I had an hour and a half long conversation. I was only expecting a 15-minute conversation with someone with a guy named Nelson Gilead, I think is his, his last name. And uh, he wrote this small book, but he's super contrarian. And he said, like, forget about this whole predictable revenue thing. No more separation between SDR, AE, CSM, sales engineer, account manager, renewal specialist. Like, this is crazy. He also rails against quotas and commissions, but that's a whole, what's a related but separate topic. I'm curious, like, where do you stand on the separation, hyper-specialized division of labor versus AEs doing it all? I benefit from the uh, separation of labor myself. I find I'm pretty salesy. I work best with a technical solution consultant. I can do, you know, majority of their of their role from demoing to, you know, scoping. However, I find I do terrible with, you know, a solution consultant that is also, you know, fairly salesy. I can steer the conversation, I can steer the agenda. I need someone who's just going to answer for for lack of better words technical questions. So, I, I do appreciate it. I do have it in my current role. I've had it for give or take 5 years now. Yeah, so I think of that, I think it's Charles Charlie Munger, Charles Munger who said, "Show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome." And I think it goes back to that, right? Like on the side, I, I coach sales reps and um, I have this guy who he is just this awesome closer, like goes for the kill, you know, like he knows how to drive the conversation. But when it comes to like demoing the product and getting in the weeds with like, you know, what a solutions architect would help with, that's not his strong point. And if I'm a manager in that scenario, do I want him like as soon as I need that close, like I've got my guy ready to go. I like having that, you know, and then the person who can talk the talk, like I sell a design tool, right? And I love to make sure that my clients get time with one of our designer advocates. I think that there's a lot of value in the different roles that people play in the sale. I also think that one thing we lose sight of in enterprise sales sometimes is um, co-selling, right? That there's so much value in co-selling and working with, you know, your SDR and your AE and your A, like everyone who's playing a different role, like 
you're all co-selling. And there's certain things I maybe cannot reach out to other people in an organization, but my SDR can. And I can be like, they can do that unapologetically. So I would disagree with it, but I think it all depends on the company as well. Yeah. You you guys raised an objection that I had, which is I buy more than I sell. So I don't actually don't sell anything. I have no quota. I do buy a decent amount and I think about that experience. And and like when I'm buying, I really like having an AE and a solutions consultant, right? Because I'm really turned off as a buyer when the solutions consultant is salesy. I want the solutions consultant to be like, to give it to me straight and to be the trusted. So and my, my, my counter was, I think there's more total trust built when you have an AE and a solutions consultant because you, you sort of know each of their incentives and, and, and I trust them both what's coming out of their mouth a bit more, right? Like if the salesperson says they can do something technically, I'm skeptical. And if the solutions consultant says something salesy, I'm skeptical, right? So I think that that split makes a lot of sense. KJ, on your co-selling point, I also thought you were going to another place where a lot of the enterprise reps we've talked to have said, you know, co-selling for me is all about alliance, is all about partners, right? I get leads through partners. For you, Ted, where, where do most of, you know, the deals that you close, where do most of your deals come from? Are they... Are they you prospecting outbound? Are they uh, SAP delivering you inbound leads, partners, SDRs? Like where where are those leads? Where is that coming from? I had a question for KJ prior to. Oh, go for it. Uh, Wanted to ask the the SDR approach. Are you having your SDRs? So let's say you're an account, you're working a cycle, you're having trouble getting to, you know, power. Are you having your SDRs do that? So... I'm not having my SDRs do it, but I'm having other people in the organization do it. So we work closely. And and co-selling is like, you know, pick anyone that you're selling with, whether they're an SDR or an investor. So I frequently reach out to our investors and say, do you have an do you have any contacts at XYZ Company? We have a couple of people on our C-suite who are very well connected. And so I'll reach out to them and say, Do you know any contacts there? So with the SDRs, what I'll do though is um you know, if we're not selling to this part of the organization, you know, who, whoever my contact is, they want me to only talk to them. And um, so that's kind of a way of getting around it to open up more opportunity. Kind of ex- executive sponsorship angle of sorts. Yeah. Curious. Why, why do you ask? What are your thoughts? I thought you were doing the SDR route. And I was like, that, that's intriguing, right? Because oh. <laughs> you can always be like, oh, I'm sorry about Billy. He'll stop calling your CEO on his cell phone at four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know. I, I thought it was a brilliant idea. I was going to applaud you. I mean, I think that's definitely a good idea. To me, it's like, what is most likely to get through? Like, I want a conversation that's meaningful, you know? So start with the investor, then go to the SDR. No, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that the same model that has been applied in the SMB segment for SDRs is applied in the enterprise. And, and that's typically not right you need those enterprise SDRs to have the incentive to expand because the enterprise sale is all about, right, drumming up interest. You know, Sales Loft is, I think, I, I counted it yesterday, we're just north of 650 employees. And the last thing I bought, I needed to corral, I think, eight different people in order to make, it's like a $40,000 purchase. Jeremy, quick question on that, in that $40,000 spend, how much was the AE working with you and then you were selling internally versus that AE selling to other people internally as well? I did the internal selling for the most part. I mean, there are times where I bought where I do need to put the AE out in front of that person. But 
I prefer not to, you know, unless I have to, I prefer not to do that because I know the sensitivities around like what people are after and and how to position things. It's, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm, a, I'm the exception or not. In, in, in your guys' experience, like I was the champion, right? I was very clearly a champion. Does the champion like to to do that or will they will they involve you guys? No, I'd say nine times out of 10, at least in my space, it's kind of become RFP season. So even for deals, you know, that typically I'd expect again, time kills all deals that are like two to three week sales cycles. And I know if we don't win, we're having to do RFPs for. Can you probably see it as well? Some of these organizations you think you need to get above power, but I mean, large 5 billion, 6 billion organizations, even you know, assistant manager, they actually have signatory ability. So you think you might need to get higher, but at the end of the day, you're like, huh, I was right where I needed to be anyway. Yeah. I totally agree. It's uh, and it, it depends on the scope. It depends on the spend. It depends on so many things, right? Depends on the terms that are being negotiated. That's kind of the big one for us. Jeremy, I think to your point at Figma, we also, I actually spend a lot of time like coaching my champions where I'm like, how are you presenting this internally? How are you talking about it? But I think that so often in sales training, teams and managers are saying, no, you should be giving that you should be in that pitch. You should be meeting with those people. And I don't necessarily think that's always the case for the exact reasons that you just mentioned. You know the people in the room. Ted, you just mentioned something that was a, an interesting trigger, which is it's RFP season. I, I love exploring the you know the conventional wisdom of the sales pundits out there, right? Who just write stuff and tell you what to do. I, very few of them make it onto the show. Those who do are ones that I, I you know they don't trip my BS detector. But one of them is like, if you get an RFP, walk away, right? Is is Or they'll say, look, if you get an RFP, try to craft the eval criteria. And if you can't craft the eval criteria, walk away. But it sounds like RFPs are, are, are a big part of what you do. What do you think about that advice to walk away from RFPs? KJ, I'd, I'd be curious your thoughts here as well. I think in practice, people say that. It's kind of like, it's one of these BS sales methodologies that like executives tell you when reality, that shit never happens, honestly. Like... You're never going to get an RFP from like insert Walmart here and be like, did you think of these criteria? They're like, oh, we're good. We didn't think of that, even though we're some <laughs> of the brightest people in the world. We're going to rewrite this for you, sales guy. I, I don't think it happens. Um, at this stage in the game, too, we're in the midst of I'm going to follow up RFP season with COVID season. <sighs> Business is hard to come by. No one's walking away from anything right now. It's a tough time to just to be in sales, to be honest with you. If you're going to tell some procurement person what they're going to do, they're not going to let you talk to anyone on the business side anyway. So at the end of the day, you're just going to be peeving everybody off. To go back to a question that Jeremy asked a little bit earlier, and, and then we got excited about talking about SDRs, but um, can you tell us like the leads, where your leads are coming from, like all that stuff with your role? Majority of, I would say at one point, it was probably... 40% me, 60% of the company. I'd say at this point, it's probably just because I've been here for five years. I'm going back through my 200 plus opportunities I've worked over the years and just seeing where people have moved, re-engaging, following people's career path. So I'd say it's, it's flipped. Eh, probably 70% self-sourcing, maybe 10% partner, 20% SDR. And so with all these, ideally, you have like, you're reaching out to people you have relationships with previously that you've sold to previously. Like you mentioned that this is just a hard time, but you still ha ultimately are performing really well. Otherwise, you would not have heard from Jeremy. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what kinds of things have you found to be successful in this difficult time? 
ironically, we we did something a while back where we gave people AirPods for just joining kind of discovery sessions. So I guess giveaways of some sort. I mean, people love their AirPods, to be honest with you. Yeah, people love AirPods. Yeah, I, th- I think just kind of incentives and then webinars, yes. But I mean, what content hasn't been done over the last two years, right? So it, it's hard to get people's attention nowadays. Sounds like just pure hustle. Pure hustle. And, you know, they're, I think people are less inclined to switch vendors unless, again, they're massively overpaying or pretty much their, their system's on fire. Ted, so awesome talking to you, learning about your career, learning from you. KJ, as, as ever, such a brilliant co-host. Thank you for, for being here. So thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.